Hey, everybody, this is Frank Rains Jr. from History Through the Eyes of Faith. Just wanted to give you a heads up to check the link in our bio for Kofi. It's a way that you can go and support the podcast if you like what you're hearing and also a way to find some merchandise and some extra content. So check out the link in our bio. Head over to Kofi. It's a great way to support the podcast. Did I miss anything, Ange? Oh, add in. You can also comment there, ask questions, and join us in a chat room. Oh, wow. And there's so that you can chat with us. Anyway, check out Kofi. The link is in our bio. I'm passionate about teaching this material because I think that we have to understand history to understand what's happening today. Pork tenderloins, only $3.29. And how did that become the way I experience church now? Hey, listen, you know, you've got the creation, we've got um, Abraham, we've got Moses, we've got all these things that have happened. We're now part of that story. Because to me, the <laughs> This is History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast with Angie Ferris. I'm your host, Frank Ranks Jr., along with producer Wes. We're glad you're here. Hey, everybody. This is Frank. It's History Through the Eyes of Faith, episode 60. So glad you're here. And I'm glad to be joined by Angie Ferris and producer Wes. Angie, thanks for joining us today. Frank, thanks for having me today. Well, in here this we are. wonderful studio. <clears throat> We're here in the Red Door Studio, or some people call it the History Through the Eyes of Faith Studio, or have we called it anything else? The Red I don't Door think Studio? So. I like the Red Door Studio. The Red Door Studio. It is home to a lot of different types of recordings that happen here in the studio, but History of the Eyes of Faith is one of them. Podcast. And um, episode 6-0, that's mm. quite a few episodes. That is. It's a library. That's more episodes than years in my life. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to bring that up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a milestone. You know, we did a little special guest uh, um, for episode 50. Because, you know, people do a lot of things around 50. Um, but we're not doing that necessarily for 60. Maybe we'll do it for 75. Maybe. Maybe 75. Depends on what's going on. Depends on what's going on. Well, um, anything you want to tell us about since we last got together? Oh, don't know. Can't, just lots, lots going on. My, my wonderful husband's putting in a pool pump today. Started working on it yesterday. Wow. Because as Tim says, it took out. Now, have you ever heard that before? Something takes out. That means it quits it, working? It means it broke. It took out. Yeah. I don't think I've heard that. So, he loves to say it. I said, he was on the phone with What do you mean our, he loves to say it? Well, it was like, that's just the way he describes it. He doesn't say something broke. He was on the phone with our son. We were on speaker conversations. Did you tell him about the pool pump? He goes, oh, yeah, the pool pump took out. And I was like, yeah, it just took off running down the hill. We I have not going. heard that. I mean, I would. That's, so that's a few years ago, we had a bunch of young people over the house, which we do on a regular basis. And our ceiling fan in our den had broken. And I can't remember. I can't remember. But there was a funny story that had to do with when he was replacing it or the way it broke. Like, I can't remember what the story was. I just remember when. So it's funny. So we were telling people this funny story. And every time Tim would tell it, he would say, well, yeah, so see, the ceiling fan took out, and you could just see on people's faces. 
They were trying to figure out what I that meant. Sur- I'm very surprised by it because Tim is not one <laughs> to use a lot of phrases or Southern phrases that would not make exact sense. I mean, Tim is a very... Makes exact sense to him. Smart. It took out. Yeah, he has a PhD in physics. Like, there's a lot of ways he could explain well, something. Well, if you look at this right here, if you're sobbing for X, obviously P took out. <laughs> like, Maybe I shouldn't have said P took out. Maybe I should have said B took out. Anyway, so the pool pump took out. <laughs> and it was making a lot of noise late last week, early in the week. And Tim's like, I think I need to start shopping. And Monday night we went out there and it was completely locked up. It was gone. So... so so we, we got just, a big event coming we, up, and he's working really hard on. Can getting we that just book. break down how did something took out? <laughs> I mean, really, I'm going to get in trouble for talking about him. I'm so not much. talking about him. I, I'm just trying to break it down because I was going to say the phrase that I've heard people say: "Is that any count? Is that any count? It's like, is it any good? Yeah, does it count for anything? Yeah, but they just say, is it, is, or they'll say it's no count. That's no count. That's no count. Is that is that any count? And I can follow the logic, does it count for anything? <laughs> but when I say took out, it just sounds like there's got to be something back in there that would explain how something took out. <laughs> we'll, we'll find it out at one point. The more point. we say it, the more it makes me laugh. Because we'll I just see, I was just looking at these people's faces and you could see they were trying to figure out how the ceiling fan came out of the ceiling and went flying across the well, you know, the ceiling fan took out. <laughs> and they got so distracted by that part that you could never yeah, get to the punchline. they didn't understand what line. happened next because <laughs> they're trying to figure out what happened with the ceiling fan. But I, I'm not making fun of Tim by any means because there's a lot of phrases that, like, you know, we've talked about it early on in our fixin', episodes. Fixin'. We say fixing to do, but, you know, our dad has a couple of words that don't exist <laughs> that he created that I grew up hearing thinking that was a real word. It's not. <laughs> He says journally. He says I jur- well journally. Journally's not a word. G- he means generally <laughs> in the place of typically, which those two don't even interchange. You wouldn't say generally instead of typically. Because <laughs> they kind of mean different things, but it, he doesn't even say generally. He says journally. J E R N L Y. Well, journally. And so I grew up hearing that, knowing what he meant, and then realized nobody else says that word. That's not a word. And then he also says fact of business. <laughs> he says it's one word, <laughs> and it should mean fact of the business, or you would say as a fact of the business or matter of fact. It's a matter of fact. Like in that arena, it's a matter of it's fact. It's a matter of fact, but it's fact of the business. <laughs> it's fact of business. But it's not even fact of business. It's fact, fact of business. Of business. Back to business. Back to business. Back to, back to business. Back to business. So it's, well, fact of business is how it comes out. And our dad is one, too, that you would not think would necessarily have those phrases. Well, he, he anyway, back to business. I, I did find, and I don't know, I think I've shared this on this podcast, maybe 20, 30 episodes ago. I don't remember. I did find the use of that in a film. It fact was of business or fact of the business? Fact of business. Just the way he says it. Fact of business. You're saying business still. It's you can't business. even be that. You it's, can't even be that accurate. Okay. You say you have to say business. 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 No S. Business. No. Fact, fact of, of business. business. 
You have to work on it. Well, fact of business. So the movie Sling Blade with Billy Bob Thornton. He says, mm-hmm. well, fact of business, I don't want to talk I'll to you I bet they no got more. it from the same place. Oh, of course. Because Billy Bob Thornton's from the South, and he wrote, I yeah. think he wrote that movie. Yeah. And he played the character, and he says, mm-hmm. fact of business, I won't talk to you no more. Okay. Well, I know we got to get going, but well, my, my other word is, did you know that irregardless is not a word? Yes, I know that. Yeah. So. If something is regardless, it can't be irregardless. Yeah. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, we just stumbled into some terms. <laughs> well, there was a short time, very, We're very, very take short out the time. Business. <laughs> summer of 2019, for a very short time, I led a, the Redneck Comedy, one of the Red, I was employed by the Redneck Comedy Bus Tour in Nashville. Yeah, I remember and that. I led a tour of tourists, I led a group of tourists in Redneck Tour of Nashville. And part of that content, the, the presentation was words that we say in the South. And there was a lot of the ones that we normally do. Like, you know, we'd, ho- we'd hold up, we'd hold up a, a board and have a word on it. And it would be like tar. Use this in a sentence. And it'd be a flat tar. You know, <laughs> fixing. What's that mean? You know, bless your heart. All the phrases. And I added back to business to my <laughs> cards. And told people, this is because my dad says this. So y'all go back and use Fact of Business wherever you're from. Anyway, here we are. Episode 60. You know, I was listening to 59, and I don't know why I didn't. As, as I re-listened to kind of remember where we are in time, remember where, what the last topic was that we brought up, we talked a lot about monasticism for like two episodes. We talked about the Dark Ages, and we talked about, or the Middle Ages, they're kind of referred to the same. Well, the starting of the Middle Ages. And how the culture of Rome fell, the barbarians came in, and how the monks were key in creating a new culture. It was the church that was creating this new culture and education and, and farming agriculture. And toward the end of 59, when you, we were talking and you were saying, so, and, and who... Who was leading this? Who was who was educating? Who was and and I was the monks. And I don't know why I was doing it listening to it, but I don't know why I didn't record it. The monks, <laughs> the monks. You remember that from Saturday Night Live? Mm-mm. It was in the Chris Farley era. They would do the Bears. They were all big Chicago Bears fans. Everything was the Bears, and I just started saying the monks, the monks. Okay. It's fun to say. You should try it. Mm. You're not going to try Duh monks? Is that Duh it? monks. Duh monks. <laughs> That's the answer to all the questions of what happened. Okay. I have, oh my goodness. And we talked about the difference between monasticism and metastasized. <laughs> yeah. There is some difference there. All right. So where are we going today? I was going to say. Are you going to do a little bit of recap? So you've kind of done that, but I wanted to ask you, so like, do you have some big takeaways from the last couple of episodes? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think my big takeaway, I think the you, what I learned is, I guess, would be a better way to say my big takeaway. Oh, yeah, that's good. What I learned in 5859 is, was, un, I think, the, the message of those two episodes or the, the primary points of those two episodes was underscoring 
the impact that monasticism, the monks had on the world as it was known from 500 AD through the dark middle ages, maybe 700 AD all the way up to maybe a thousand. I don't know where we are today. I think we're probably going to be around 600, 700 AD, but it was un- you were underscoring that you can't see culture or the, or how culture evolved in Europe, in Europe, which I mean, yeah, keep going. That's, the, and then that's we'll go. the Europe would be the center of our faith history through the eyes of faith. I mean, it doesn't include that the Middle East, it doesn't include Asia, but how monks, monkship, as I like to call it, was crucial to the yeah. development of the culture. Yeah, and I think what I would add to that is the monks and the monkship and the monasticism was the tool that the church used for that influence. So the church is behind it. And when you say church, you're meaning the faith. I'm meaning Christians. Christendom. Right. But it wasn't like some Christians were sitting at this council meeting and said, all right, here's what we should do. Let's use monasticism. It was just... No, but but if you remember our discussion about Gregory, Gregory very much did see it that way. Yeah. Because he was a Benedictine monk, and he, he was an administrator, and he saw that the institution of monasticism could be the tool that would reach all those areas. So kind of a couple of things, a different a way to think about it. At the time that the Roman Empire in the West is falling away, there were bishoprics in all of these areas throughout Europe. Mm-hmm. But not but. So the church was represented there. So the Roman government had left, but there was still in many areas a bishop, a physical church that to those people was very similar to Rome, right? Mm-hmm. Because, because the church took on, have you ever thought about how come uh, priests wear robes and Everything is so bejeweled or the way that churches are built with columns and... Ornate. That's because of the blending with the empire. I see. And and even at the time that uh, Rome was falling away, the church was taking on more of that, more of an... I mean, you think about the robings of the pope. And it's going to come out more and more as time goes on. They're going to take on more and more. But it was because it brought, it, it, it signaled authority and position and influence to these people that had seen that from the Romans all along. I see. And so the church was there. Gregory and the monks had a real heart for people to, to know peace and to have a way of life and to know Christ in that would mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But to them, that was, you know, to have a relationship with Jesus, to be a part of the church. Um, And so 
the monks then, remember we talked about, brought that into the community for everybody. Okay, because the peasants could see their leaders out there toiling yeah. the soil and making the land farmable and making all these things happen. And the leaders of these warring um, Germanic tribes would take on the leadership of these abbeys, abbots and, and monasteries. And so it was the monks, it wasn't just like the monks got the idea. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It was an effort of Christendom mm -hmm. and the monks were the tool. I got it. That yeah. was used. And, and besides Gregory as the Pope, I don't know that there was... Like a like you said, a council sit down and said, "Hey, let's do this," because the Pope was really the one for the West making the decisions. But as we'll talk about as we go through some things, uh, certainly a way to interpret it that I think is consistent with histories through the history through the eyes of faith is that God brought Greg Gregory to that place in that time with his set of skills. Right. To, to bring about this movement. And it did, as several of the phrases changed the way that Europe looked over the course of several hundred years. Yeah. yeah. Those years, you know. So, um, yeah. You also touched on, toward the end of 59, um, you talked about the peasants. For the first time, they were, they were connected to yeah. the leaders. Because of the servanthood. Yes. And the... The model that was being set for the way folks should behave was consistent with their way of life. Yeah. Rather than separating from them. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this more as we go further into the Middle Ages. Um, but the church was a way of life for everybody. But we can understand when we look at this time period how that became the case. Because the other thing that we haven't mentioned was like the Christianizing of the laws and rules and code of ethics that came with these Germanic tribes that were totally oral in their histories and their laws. And then the leaders in the church, the bishop, the friar, would help them rewrite, write those down, and in the process of that, color them with Christianity. Okay. We're going to talk more about that. Well, I mean— we made the statement that it happened, and we'll see how it plays out. Because as we move through the Middle Ages, you'll see that in many of the stories we talk about, there's a bishop. There's a, you know, like kings had a bishop that was like their right-hand person. There's this unity of—unity's too big of a word, because we talked about how in the Eastern Roman Empire, the the emperor really was seen as the protector you of— would partnership be a better Yes, one? but dependency, a very dependent partnership. Very mm -hmm. dependent partnership. Um, well, what's next? What are we about well, to do? I'm, uh, we're about to review. Okay. We're going to go back and do some reviewing. Um, I, want, I took some notes from 59, and I'm just looking over them now here as we sit to see if, how much we've hit on because there were things I wanted to... Um, reiterate one being we made the statement that uh the civilization that arose on the ruins of the western roman empire was christian in character because the invaders surrendered not their arms but their gods mm. 
and we talked about the spiritual power. And I've heard a couple more stories. Um, you know, we talked about doing additional material about how the Christian spirits, or however you would say that, how the Christians won a victory in the spiritual mind of these warlords. And, mm-hmm. and it has to do with the whole nature of the way of thinking of the Middle Ages being just much more spiritual in nature, period. You know, um, you have to realize this was before the age of reason. This was before um, we only paid attention to what made sense. So that, mm. you know, remember how you, you made the comment that Maybe the temptation was for some of them to become barbarians in the steel. Yeah, I think the way that the uh, that the influence of the barbaric cultures really shows up is the focus on spirituality, hmm. on miracles and yeah. powers, and that becomes a big theme throughout the Middle Ages. So we'll see that as we go forward. To we mentioned the monasticism. I had some notes on that. Um, this is an interesting phrase just to read again. There arose an autonomous Christian culture centering in the monasteries and permeating the church and the life of the people by educational and religious influence. So all of that was part of everybody's life. The monasteries, the church, um, and then the church was carrying out the education, religious influence. And then you use the word creating a culture. And the, a way that that was described, I'll read this again, was it was no longer a question of the conquering barbarians being affected by the religion and culture of the conquered. It was a new creation produced by the grafting. I love that word. The grafting of Latin Christian traditions on the native barbarian stock. If you think about grafting a plant yeah. or creating a new version of a plant by grafting two things together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a whole lot about what is that called horticulture or whatever mm-hmm. you would call it, but mm-hmm. but there's many things that we use, eat, enjoy every day that are the results of something that was grafted together. Mm-hmm. And so this culture was grafted together. It was the grafting of Latin Christian traditions on the native barbarian stock. Remember when we say Latin Christian traditions, that's talking about the West. That's talking about the Pope. That's talking about Italy. When we would because what's happening over in the Eastern Church in Byzantium is more of a Greek. Okay. Is Greek. So so the Eastern Church becomes associated with Greek. The Latin Church, the Western Church stays Latin. Okay. And I'll just throw this in here. It'll probably come up again, but it's kind of a cool thing to be aware of. The, the Roman Catholic Church, which is what the Western Church becomes called over time, Latin was the only language that mass was held in. Latin was the only language that the scriptures were read in up until, uh, I don't know about the scriptures being read, but I know the mass was held in Latin until the 1960s. I think you've said that before. So when we go into, when they would go into an area, they were teaching Latin. That's what they were teaching. They were teaching things in Latin. Whereas in the East, that church, while it would they would allow you to translate. Like if a missionary, a a monk, a person went out to convert, say, Bulgaria, which happened, you know, to go to an area, you could translate the mass, the worship service. You could hold it in the native language. Okay. 
So a lot of times as we move through history in the Middle Ages, there are times when a group or culture of people, particularly the ones right there in the middle that could go either way, are looking at which which direction do we want to follow? And most of the time that decision wasn't necessarily theological. It was more like political. But one of the things that helped was, hey, they talked to us in our language. I see. That was kind of a choice that you had to make. So, um, the awareness, another one of the review things, is the reason that this is working is because a whole new culture had to arise, right? The old one and fall apart. So here's an opportunity to create and mesh with the customs at a time when they're reinventing themselves, when they're undergoing rapid development and change, okay? Um, and then you talked about the farming. And I, this, I'm going to read this again because the first time I saw this, this really surprised me. It says, In the West, Northwest, and Central Europe, the clearance of forest and the draining of swamp were the prime economic factors of the entire Dark Ages. In a sense, they determined the whole future history of Europe. They were the foundation of its world supremacy. Wow. The clearing of forests and the draining of Wow, we don't mm. think about that. Mm-mm. Particularly here in America. But so basically that the monks doing that agriculture is what built the supremacy of Europe. Yeah, it's wild. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about as we move forward, how much did it matter what their... Because that was a Christian culture, that's what that means. You know, the coming together of the grafting of this Christian culture, how much did that affect the growth of it too? You know, what what philosophies or approaches or beliefs or ideals of Christianity create or lend to economic success or that's I think that's an interesting thought yeah uh yeah it's kind of cool I had a friend that was uh communications very economist business person communications person devout follower of Jesus who when the eastern Bloc countries started falling away from the Soviet Union in the late 80s and early 90s was invited by leaders of some of those countries to come teach on Christianity because they, f- they felt that that was an important piece of surviving strongly in a free market economy. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And as we move, we can get into that more. I don't have all my research done on that right now, but it is an interesting thing to think about. So you've been talking about the cards. Well, they, they came up in the last episode, and I realized we haven't talked about them in a long time. And I was pretty consistent in the first 35 episodes to ask where we are in the cards. Yeah. Because that was one of the foundations of your course that is now a podcast. But when you wrote... can this, still be a course if you need me to come right. teach. <laughs> when you wrote the curriculum for this course and you've led it, I've seen you lead it. You've got milestones that kind of help you create a mental picture of the timeline right. by creating cards, index cards 
that have names or an event on the card that helps you put an order from creation. Well, what I've seen is through creation through the end of the New Testament. And now uh, we've got cards that go after the end of right. the New Testament. Right. So for our listeners, um, we do have a shop on Kofi right at this exact moment. When I'm recording this, there's nothing in there. It is my intention by the time. So everything's free right now. Yeah. By the time this gets released to have the set one, part one cards. Right now they're available through our website, onethingonly.org, the History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast page. You can see where to purchase them. But the part one starts at creation and goes right up to the birth of Jesus. Yeah, the birth of Jesus. So it goes to the beginning of the New Testament. And those cards... I've taught through that material multiple times, and they're pretty set. Starting with the beginning of the New Testament, all the way up to the year around 1,900, 900 to 1,000, is the second set of cards. Okay. And as we've been going through this material on the podcast, I've added and taken away and rearranged. And so... So set number two is now the re-released set number two. Right. It's not not ready to be done yet like the the new model i'm gonna wait until i finish teaching it probably well i'm just about done the new model is not at the printers so when that gets ready i will put that up but so i dug out the old model for this today and started going through them and i did have some copies i said in the last episode i wasn't even sure i had one but i had some and started going through and arranging them and was like wow this is this is different we've learned some stuff added some stuff and I, and I love the podcast format because you can do that. Now, is this is this next, as we talk about these cards, is it, you're going to hold them? Because I'm kind of excited about one. You want to hold them? How do you want to well, do I mean, it? You tell me how. I'm just. I'm asking you, how do you want to do it? I want to hold the cards. Okay. And this is the beginning. He's got the cards. I'm not going to read them yet. Oh, you're going to try to guess? No, I'm not going to guess. That, that would take forever. <laughs> I'm not going to guess. Okay. But I don't know when I should start. I don't. I'm, you're you're teeing it up. Well, I think as I've, a review. I think I've teed it up as much as I can. Okay. We're ready so, to go. So this so is we the got review. we got up to the end to the time between the testaments. That's so so. What was one of the last things that happened before the birth of Jesus? Um, it was, uh, some stuff happening in Rome and Cleopatra and yeah, that. And so go ahead and look at the first card and that'll be a good question. Political and cultural climate of AD one from Alexander to Rome. Question yes. mark. So that's the, so if you'll think when the old Testament, Alexander the great, when the old Testament ends, we're at, we're, uh, they're just rebuilding the temple and everybody is under, um, well, what's going on then? They're, oh, Persian. Persian rule, right? Okay. okay. It's King Cyrus that has let them come back and rebuild the temple. So what and I'll Cyrus say when I'm... Cyrus was t- when something touched his heart. Oh, he did it touch his heart. So, um, I, and that was... Anyway, a lot of people pick up that episode and listen to it, which I think is interesting. His heart was... What's the name of it? Cyrus? His Cyrus's heart. heart was moved or something like that. Anyway, the... um. So when I'm teaching a lot of times, I'll say, okay... Because a lot of times I'm working with Christians, they're familiar with the Old Testament. And I'll say, who is the dominant political power when the Old Testament opens? Old Testament? When the open? New Testament when opens. New Testament Sorry, opens? thank you. People probably say Caesar. Who is what? Who? The emperor of Rome. Ro- Rome. So how do we get from Persia to Rome? 
All right. And that's the time in between. And that's where Alexander comes in and then his kingdom is divided amongst Greek generals. And then eventually they all get overtaken by Rome. And then there's the story of the Maccabees. Yeah. Right. And so the Maccabees is pretty recent history before Jesus shows up within a couple hundred years. Okay. And and now we're under Roman rule and the New Testament opens. Okay. That's where we are. Political and cultural climate of AD 1. Yeah. From Alexander to Rome. Yeah. Okay. So let me go on. Yeah. And most of them are not that long. <laughs> no. Next one is Mary. And who is she? She was the one that gave birth to Jesus. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay so we talk going. about. Keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist. And who, who was, was he? Jesus is first cousin who was the one to tell of Jesus is coming. Right. And Jesus tells us that he is in the old Testament. It teaches that Elijah will come before the Messiah. And Jesus is, Jesus tells us at some point during his life that John the Baptist was Elijah, that that was so. Yeah. So I always think of with John the Baptist, prepare ye the way. Mm-hmm. Handles Messiah comfort ye. Mm. And then Jesus is birth. Jesus is born. Yes. And we went through all those birth stories and, how old do you think Mary was when Jesus was born? There's a lot of, there's, I've heard authors say that they thought she was like 12, 13, 14 years old. Well. And you know, do you want to know why? Why they say that? Yes, because usually when a girl becomes a woman. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. Which is somewhere in those years, then she's betrothed. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. But how old was Joseph? Well, people believe he was older, like maybe in his 30s. Now, I don't remember why that's the case. It's a little weird. <laughs> All right. Then we've got... We well, you could of- say it's weird, but I also think that a lot of times guys would build a trade and have a living before they took a wife. Okay. We're going to... That's going to side rail this. Okay. <laughs> So for one time in the history of our episodes, Frank is bringing it back to the content. So we got Jesus, John the Baptist, Jesus's birth. Now we're at Jesus's ministry. So that's like 30 years. Yeah. And we talked a lot about that. Well, Go it wasn't back at, 30 years, but it was his ministry of like And so three these years. episodes are around 29, 30. 31. Are are going to yeah. be that. If you go, that's the episodes to listen to if you want to get the details on Yeah. Life of Jesus. Jesus' ministry. We went through that. Jesus' death and resurrection. Yep. Crucial point of the faith. Turning point. Yes. Turning point. Because he was resurrected. Because he was resurrected. Is, and so from a faith perspective, his death was the death in our stead. Yeah. Okay. Which paid, some cultures would say paid the penalty. Others would say made us atoned for brought us into the presence of God, enables us to be with God. That was the, the, uh, his death and his resurrection shows victory over death so that we have life eternal through him. Then we got Pentecost. And what was that? Pentecost was the starting of the church. Yeah. The starting what, of the believers. And what happened? The Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire. Tongues of fire. Yeah, and when, I was afraid I was going to get that wrong. And we talked about now something you. That's not the first time we've had that word, is it? No, because it was a Jewish tradition, and and it was yes, yes, right. Okay. The next card you have here says the good news. Yeah, so that's the point when I'm teaching that I 
share the gospel. Okay. Talk about the good news, which is essentially what I just did with the death and resurrection. Did we do that on an episode? We did. I think it's 31. Okay. I think you named it the Axis. Okay. And we have Paul. And who was he? Paul was uh, one of the first, um, I don't know how to say it. He was an apostle. He was an apostle? He was called an apostle. An apostle. apostle Paul. Well, of course. He was an apostle. Because he actually met Jesus, even though he was not, he did not beat Jesus when Jesus was living his earthly life. How did he meet Jesus? On a road. Yeah. He <laughs> just ran into him, stayed on the side of the road. No, was, Paul was struck blind. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Long also, story. so I'm guessing that that's around episode 32. And Paul was wrote several of the books in the New Testament. Many, yes, of the letters, yes. Which is the next card, Paul's Missionary Journeys. Yes, and so this is him going out, sp- spreading the good news and planting churches in and we're still areas. in the New Testament. Right, and that's all covered in the book of Acts. And then we go to the Jerusalem Council. That is, what is that? Do you remember? I think... Um, it's a council, meaning there people are being counseled. Later on, I got confused with councils that were called by leaders. Right. This is a council, but not in the same definition. Right. This was Paul and Barnabas going up to Jerusalem to get some feedback about some things on how to be a Christian. And it became... Uh, Specifically what? Like not... Sp- not just how to be a Christian, but did Christians have to participate? They, were they held to all the Jewish laws? That was really the big question. Yeah, and the answer was no. Right. And they went to the church elders, which was James and Peter and the other apostles. The Jerusalem Council. Yes. You know, that'd be a neat T-shirt. Like, it said Jerusalem Council, and then you could be like Peter or James. You know, which one are you? Oh, the Jerusalem Council. That's not. Okay. Then we got the writing of the New Testament. And so we talked about how that was written. How it was compelled, compiled. Yeah, yeah, not just the compilation, but that's the actual time period that things were being written down. Which would be 100? Somewhere, 100 at the latest. Somewhere between 50 to 100. Or 30 or 40. 30. 40 to 100. And then the destruction of Jerusalem by Rome. Yeah. And that's so now a big there's deal. no temple. Right. And what year was that? 75. 70. Gosh. AD 70. So close. AD 70. AD yeah. 70. And then, and then after we had actually done that episode a little bit later on, so when I found that book, Rome, Jerusalem and Rome, or Jerusalem to anyway, it, which is very fascinating. But that's, I really enjoyed working on that during the podcast. 70. Then we have Church Grows Episcopacy Apostolic Succession. Yeah. What does that mean? A lot. So this is the early, the new church, right? So now um, Jerusalem's been destroyed. And so what that did was really separate the Christians from the Jews. Like there was no longer a temple, at which the struggle of do I make sacrifices at the temple was not a struggle anymore. There wasn't a temple. And it, and it gave Christianity the opportunity or maybe forced Christianity to develop on its own. And um, so there are ways through which it did that, methods, or what it, what did it look like then? And that's what that card's starting to tell us about. By the way, I didn't know what our content was going to be today in episode 60. You did. I didn't. Right. But the fact that we're going through these cards and reviewing is, I think, a great milestone for episode 60. I do, too. It's a good choice. Thank you. 
So this card, Church Grows, Episcopacy, Apostolic Succession, Apostolic Succession means the order of the apostles connected to Christ, right? Like, well, like... Like they're naming a successor based on their apostolic relationship, right? Yes, sort of. Well, <clears throat> yes, and if church is founded in Ephesus, which it was, then the person leading the church was the person cl most closely associated to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then let's, and, and in that case, I'm pretty sure it was John, the apostle John. Okay. Okay. So then John selects the next person. Yeah. It's more like not the next person that knew Jesus, but the person that John has mentored. So Jesus disciples John, John disciples somebody and then they become, right. and then, so and so then so there's They're you can trace yourself yeah. back you can trace your your group of people back to one of the apostles. Okay. And what does that say? What's the other word on there? Episcopacy. And what does that mean? Um I think it means the organization of the church, right? Usually the leaders, the bishops. Yeah. The elders, but primarily it usually means bishops. So, so the these, church is growing through these methods. Yeah, that's one of them. When you get to other cards, we'll see others. Okay, and the church grows through the canon. Yeah, so we talked about Episcopacy, the leaders. There were three, and mm -hmm. then the second one was canon, and what's that? Canon is the, the text. Yes, the, the written. The rules, the written. Written word of faith. God, not the rules. The written word of God. Written word of God. Yeah. Canon. Okay. Yeah, so the New Testament, the Old Testament, those books. Yeah. Um, are shaping the church. So the church is making a decision. We're going to do things that are consistent with God's word and not do things. Do things is not the right word. We're going to organize ourselves mm -hmm. and teach and preach in a way that is consistent with God's word. We don't want to be teaching, preaching, or organizing ourselves in a way that's inconsistent with the canon. Yeah. But they had to come up. They had to decide what the canon was. Yeah. Right? Go through all that. Through divine assistance well divine assistance for sure but also what we talked about a lot when we were doing that it was it wasn't just like okay let's all sit down and pray and decide which one of these and let god decide which one of these books it was the books started circulating at the time that they were written the new testament books mm -hmm. and so by the time they actually for lack of a better word codified or said this is what the canon is there were the books we have in pretty much all, with a couple exceptions of the books that are now in the New Testament, were accepted by all the churches as being from the apostles mm. and the Word of God. So it wasn't just the people that finally said these are the books that made the decision. It was <clears throat> the church, literally, the church. Generally accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one is the creed. What do we believe? Yes. And in particular, do you remember what we talked about in particular with that? We talked about... What was the first creed? The Apostolic Creed. The Apostles' Creed, yeah. The Apostles' Creed. Which was originally brought together as kind of... A, so they could teach new converts how to state their beliefs. And, and so then those councils that shaped other creeds were also helping shape that early church. So then if you step back and look at all three of those cards, it's the leaders that are descended from Jesus in the sense that he discipled leaders who disciple people, who disciple people, who disciple people. 
it's the canon, the authoritative word word of God, and then it's the creeds that the church agrees on. And I'm going to say something here because I wanted this period that we're talking about this to of these cards to to not just be this happened, this happened, this hasn't happened, but what is the overview? And so an essential teaching of Christianity and the event that happened at Pentecost, Jesus says, you wait here and I'm going to send my comforter. That's what he says before he's ascended. And so then the Holy Spirit comes down in Pentecost. And when you're a believer, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, Christianity teaches that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. So you have access through your broken, sinful self to God's leading. And Jesus also teaches where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'm in their midst. So these councils and these, we're not going to lean on just one person to make the decision because one person, even if they're a devout follower of Christ, is still capable of... Because of the Holy Spirit. No, capable of making the wrong choice. Oh, (laughs) I didn't mean to jump into what you're about to say. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But when two or three are gathered or more, and we're all committed to seeking God and praying out God's will, the Spirit moves in a miraculous way in guidance and discernment. And, you know, that can happen individually too. Mm -hmm. But let's just say my own personal life. If I feel God leading me in a personal, in a way, I want to verify my feelings by discussing it with other Christians, verify my senses. I'm going to go to the word and say, is this consistent with what I know with God's word? And I'm going to meet with other believers close to me to say this is what I'm looking at and where I'm feeling led. Give me your feedback on that. Because right. the Spirit is greater when we're gathered together than any of us alone. And that's what you see happening here yeah. in this early church. So when we're talking about episcopacy <laughs> and canon and creed, those things are influenced by the Spirit of God because we believe that the Spirit of God dwells in us as believers of Christ, which is different okay. than other religions. religions we get to creed yeah what, what we believe <laughs> the next word is polycarp <laughs> do you remember him when i first read it i thought it said polycrap and i thought <laughs> is i'm not sure this is right <laughs> polycarp yeah so he was i don't even remember the details on him i just remember that i picked a couple of early church fathers to talk about and I do remember that he was martyred, and I think we talked about yeah. his martyrdom. But you can go back and pick up an episode somewhere in the late 30s in there and hear about Polycarp. And then another one, Tertullian. Tertullian, yes. I remember that. And one of those came, was the first to articulate the concept of the Trinity. And it was I Tertullian. think it was Tertullian, yeah. It was Tertullian, interesting. And he's a little bit later than Polycarp. And then we've got Constantine becomes emperor. This is where I was getting pretty excited about Constantine. Yeah, so Constantine, and that card got moved around. I mean, like, it could go a couple of different places, and I chose to plant it there on okay. this this approach. But, yes, yeah, so Constantine, so we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the emperors of Rome, Rome uh, persecuting Christians, and then Constantine comes along, and it's just a mark on the timeline. There's not a lot to say about him until we get to the next Is card. Is the next card going to be the Council of Nicaea? Not the next one. It's the Edict of Milan. And what is that? Um, 
I don't remember. That's when Constantine makes Christianity legal. Oh, see, I was going to say that was the Council of Nicaea. No, he makes Christianity legal. Edict of Milan. Yeah, and that was and in then, 312. 312, and then it's the Council of Nicaea. Then he, then in 323, I think he calls the Council of Nicaea. And, and that's, that's more about Jesus's, uh, Jesus as being fully God. Fully God. His and it's deity. really about the Trinity. the Trinity. It's about how can, yeah. So then we go to the Christian Roman Empire, because now the Empire State becomes the enforcement agency of Christian orthodoxy. We're not talking about New York here, are we? <laughs> oh, I said Empire State. The Imperial State. So read the whole card again. Christian Roman Empire. So it is the Roman Empire, but it's the Christian Roman Empire, which means the imperial state becomes the enforcement agency of Christian orthodoxy. So that was when, finally, Christianity became the religion of the empire. Mm -hmm. And the emperor's all up into everything, which kind of started with the Council of Nicaea in that yeah. area. Yeah. But that's kind of solidifying it. And this and is what time? The late 300s. Late 300s. 350, yeah. So then the capital of the empire moves to Constantinople. Yeah, and I think that actually happens in 350-something. I always thought it was before the Council of Nicaea, but it wasn't. Or maybe it was 340, but it was in between. I went and so looked they up moved, the date. So now you've got the uh, capital of the empire is in Constantinople, and Insta Rome is now uh, not, not the capital. Yes. And let me go ahead and say this. There's not a card about this, and there doesn't really need to be, but it helps you understand the situation a little bit. Earlier, earlier than this, like maybe a hundred years earlier, you have to go back and look it up. But the emperors had started dividing responsibility, so there would be an emperor in the east, or maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, but dividing up the area because Rome had the Roman Empire was too large to be managed from just one spot. So when Constantine moves to Constantinople, um, there still is at different times an emperor here and an emperor here. They just move the capital. Gotcha. So now you have a card here that says official 27 books of New Testament. And that's when, and that's in three something. Um, in the, in the, that's the fourth century, right? Yeah. That's in the fourth century when we have the first list, documented list of these are the books that are in the Bible. Yeah. Although they were all circulating together much earlier than that. That card is in there because this is the point. This next card, I guess it's okay for me to say, looks like a bad word, but it says Latin Vulgate Bible. It's not a vulgar Bible. It's the Vulgate That's That was the name of the translation when the Bible was translated into Latin, done by St. Jerome, and the name of the translation is the Vulgate. Not, not Jerome. St. Jerome. St. Jerome. That was a little... And that was the Bible that was used up until, for Europe, up until King James Bible. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's right. So the Bible? Maybe not. Don't quote We're me on that. We're in the late 300s, late 4th century? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, this card has a lot of writing that I probably need my glasses for. Uh-oh. I don't remember. The Roman Empire is weakening. The Roman Empire is weakening. And breaking apart. And I mean, so then I think points. there's bullet points of how that's happening, yeah. A weakening economy, the move of the capital, so there's a split of governing, there's no clear empirical succession, and there's no stable government to provide protection, and the stable citizens are moving to the countryside. So there's just 
So, and a lot of that is influenced the economic changes is because they're no longer bringing in booty. They're no longer conquering places. Can we use a different word? Well, that's what they say in the documents. Mm, They no longer bringing in booty. So they're not going out (laughs) and capturing people and plundering. They're not bringing in plunder. Why don't we say that from now on? (laughs) They're not bringing in plunder. So that was a lot of what was spurring on the economy. So, uh, yeah. Let me just tell you. So I know where we are in the cards and, and, and I'm having the cards in my hand and there's quite a few left. Is yeah. this going to bring us up to date? It's going to bring us are? to where we are. Yes. Wow. Cause I see this next card and I kind of thought that's where the last couple episodes are. Next card is the barbarian migration slash invasion. Yeah. Which can go a lot of different places Yeah, because it starts, we know well before 300 because of the, the fall of Rome is dated in like 374 or mm-hmm. 376. So it starts well before that, but then it keeps happening. It doesn't stabilize for several hundred years. So that be- beginning around this time. Yeah, which was influenced in the fall of the Roman Empire. So your previous card was about the empire yeah. breaking apart. And, and that's now influenced. People are invading. And then the next card says Pope Leo. Yeah. And when I look down, because I take my glasses off and I look down and this microphone's kind of. <laughs> Blurring it. And the first thing I thought it said was Popo Leo. <laughs> Popo Leo. But it's Pope Leo. And I remember this. Attila the Hun, uh, 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 he was able to try to negotiate and not get uh, Rome completely destroyed. And so now he's, as the bishop, they're looking to him as more of a leader than the empire, the emperor. Because the emperor's gone. Emperor's he, over in Constantinople. Uh, you know, he took out. Nobody, he took out. Nobody's... Stepping up for us. Now, you know the emperor took out. He ain't broken. He did leave. <laughs> and then people in the West begin to look to the Bishop of Rome for leadership and stability. I just said that. Yeah. I need the next card. And then the next card is the Council at Chalcedon. Now this, yeah. I remember us talking a lot about. It goes on for a, a while. A lot about this. Oh. I'm... Don't worry about it. I can fix it later. Um, We talked about this a lot because this was like. Only a couple of Western bishops and lots of bishops from yeah. the East, and they're trying to figure some things out yeah. about the... So, don't go down the weeds. we got a whole episode. I think it's entitled, Calgon, Take Me Away. You can get into all the details okay. of that. But let me... The reason that's in there is because it is the last council that everybody participated in. There are councils after that. And it was clarifying the humanity of Jesus... Okay. And there were many groups that never bought in to what it said, to to what they came together and mm-hmm. and, and agreed. They started different branches. Well, they became different groups that we have around today that we can look at. But yeah. they also it, the the key point moving forward is it weakened the area that those were in. Okay? okay, there was, and the reason the struggle was they couldn't see one person with two natures. Fully God and fully man. They they couldn't see. They were just. They were saying that was like having two gods. Okay. Chalcedon. So go, keep that go in listen. the back of your mind. Next yeah. card is Augustine or Augustine or Augustine or Augustine. However you want to say it. This one was key for me. I like learning about him and the city of God, the city of man. And there was another book. City of God was one book, and Confessions was Confessions his other. Was he wrote that. lots of things, but those were his two major works. And so he really uh, started articulating, intellectualizing, putting, he was, as you can tell by the cards we've gone through, one of the first great 
theologians and still one of the greatest theologians of the church. People still refer back to Augustine yeah. all the time. Um, and that was right as he was the Bishop of Hippo, which was a, ta- a city in Northern Africa. And he dies as it's being taken by, I believe it's the Vandals that take it. Okay. And that's in the late 300s, I'm pretty sure, early 400s. And then our next card is Patrick. Patrick, missionary to Ireland. Ireland. Cool story about him. I think the name of that episode is Shamrock. And then. And he was a monk. So we come back when we move on to talk talk about about, monasticism. We'll learn more about him. But Patrick is credited with going to Ireland and and kind of, if you think about the early disciples, Paul would go in and he would bring people to Christ and he established a church. Those people that were trained under Patrick, who then trained people, who then trained people, are credited with going back and evangelizing the main continent of Europe. So a lot of what's going on in the time period we're in, in the podcast now. back to Patrick. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next card, the fall of Rome, the Western Roman Empire. Right. Let's be clear. That's Rome didn't fall, y'all. Yeah. That's that episode. And then the Byzantine Empire. We talk which about Justinian, we talk about the Byzantine Empire, which is the Eastern. What is, what's happening over in the East? And they're really beginning at this point in history that we're at right now. Where are we? 500, 400 in the 5th century to function separately. That breakup takes several hundred years. And so when we get further down the road, we're going to discuss the breakup and the whole story of the breakup mm-hmm. I haven't said a lot. There's things that have happened along the line now that we might've mentioned or might not because they're better told as a whole story of the Western and Eastern breakup. Yeah. The Justinian, the great. Yes. The protector of the faith. Then we've gotten into the differences in thought and language of East and West, which I just mentioned that with the Greek and the Latin. And mm-hmm. we talked about, remember how we talked about the Eastern was more about, philosophy and reflection and the western was more about rules yeah sounds familiar clearly black and white yeah and so like with chalcedon they're like oh yeah that was a good decision that gives us stuff to chew on and that was in the east in the west it was like this is the way it is yeah so then we've got the i just read that then the next one was emperor justinian which we just talked about yeah in the east and byzantine and then And, and he he gets he really codified the Roman laws, gave the Justinian Code, which shaped the Eastern Empire for centuries. And then he also went out and co- tried to conquer back much of the West. And as we said at the time, it, it was short-lived. He did do it, but it was short-lived. And there's a lot of historians that believe that it really weakened the area, which sets it up for some takeovers that we've got that coming. Be coming. Next one, Benedict. We're back to monasticism and the Benedictine rule. And he was one of the first monks, and, and the no, one of the he was the, one of the first monks to write a rule. And then his rule, which is guidelines, programs, the practice became shaped monasticism, which leads us to another key monk, Gregory, who became pope. Yes, pope. And then uh, the next church is translator of Roman culture, and that's a lot of what we were just talking about over the last couple of episodes. Yeah. I'm can you flip that can you show me what the last card's gonna be so I'll make sure I haven't messed up? Yep. Okay. And then we've got the clergy are writing down and Christianizing tribal laws and histories. And we just reviewed the last couple episodes. And then the monks 
sustain, create economy, um, education, and personal devotion. We're going to push through. We're going to push through the monks, sustain, create economy, education, and personal devotion. Yeah. So, yeah, I know we're pushing through, but can we put it up on the screen while we're pushing through? Yeah. Okay. The Thanks. sidebar, there's a baseball game we're finishing. <laughs> um, we're talking about monasticism um, through the last couple episodes. And then uh, you, we just said this, the church makes land farmable. Yeah. Talked about how that created the whole European uh, supremacy in the in the years to come. Right. And then Isidore's etymologies. Is Isidore's. Was, Isidore's. Do you remember that? That yeah, was at the very end of the last, the last episode. episode. Isidore. And what is it? Isadorable. Isadorable. <laughs> what is Isidore's etymologies? Um, I'm going to need your refresher on that. So I'm going to need to refresh myself on that. He uh, put together. Okay, let me tell this a different way. I'm just going to tell it off the top of my head. So because the the classics, the Aristotle, Plato, all that stuff had kind of fallen off after oh, this was the, like the, the, the fall of the Roman Empire. Etymologies was like education. All, it was all knowledge. Like so he took everything that was known about anything and put it into education became the role of the church because society had crumbled, right? And the educational institutions had crumbled. And so he put it all into a curriculum that became the thing that was taught in Europe for 800 years. For 800 years. Yeah, Isidore's etymology. It's 20 books put together in 20 books. Oh, that's, I got a comment on that that I will do in between episodes because yeah. I don't want to get off on yeah. topical. And one thing things. I want to say about that was like that was part of the Christianizing. So now you can see how things have come. It was strict. It was a Christian culture. It was, And we're going to talk a lot. We've got a couple of major topics to get through in the next few episodes. And then we're going to come to a description of the Middle Ages. And a big part of the Middle Ages was this. Not a big part. Europe was Christian. And we don't, as modern, as 21st century people, have a concept of what that's like. So, so let's go ahead and wrap up. Okay. Episode 60. We're a little over 60 minutes. It's a great recap of where we've been over the last 30 episodes. Yeah. And we've got a mystery bag in the, in the studio that we will get to in episode 61. Okay. Can we? Can we okay. That's, Are we good? Yeah, we're good. I've got some overarching thoughts that I want to say, but we'll come back. Do you want to just start the next episode with those? Yes. Okay. As a recap to 60. Yeah. So folks, as you're waiting on 61 to come out and you're thinking about 60, think about, okay, what does this have to do with faith? What, what difference does it make that we're telling this as history through the eyes of faith? So think about that. And we'll, that's your teaser for the next episode. All right. Well, we did it. Episode 60 is in the books. It's a great recap. So uh, we're probably going to title it that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I we'll just want to close out by saying, go Rebs, hotty toddy. And <laughs> we'll see you next time. This has been History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. Please rate and review, subscribe or follow wherever you stream your podcast. You may also contact us and comment at onethingonly.org. Just click on the History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast tab. You can also support this podcast by checking the link in our bio at ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com. Thanks for listening.